Does this thing come up a little bit? Ah, praise the Lord. Well, that was, I had a moment. Where's Danny? I had a moment right here. And, you know, when they were talking about the 30 years, but then over half of that's at Vineyard Columbus. Danny got me into that gig. I was, I was out of it. There was a period where I moved away from ministry and just said, you know, I'm not going to go back unless the Lord uh, calls me. And I'm um, setting my agenda aside, hung out at Vineyard Columbus. Danny searched me out. And uh, I don't know, the Lord brought me back into ministry. And what you, what you got me into, man, look what you got me into. They start running that list, you know. Over the years there, it's been a variety of things. I've been everywhere in the church. Anyway, uh, good evening. You can say good evening to me back. It's good to uh, be with you. Thank you, uh, Bill, um, uh, Danny, Michael, whoever else is involved with getting me here tonight. It's a, pl- a privilege to be here. Um, my son's here sitting with Bill, my oldest son, and um, I was just saying to him, I was with a group of men last night at Vineyard Columbus, and um, once I talked and they began to interact, I, was, I stood back amazed. Um, the Spirit of God was there, and there was a buzz in the room, and uh, a lot of it has to do with the fact that when men gather together and men begin to talk with one another as men, um, so much good comes from that. We're so hungry for that. And uh, the Spirit of God moved in, and as I came into this room last tonight and I looked at you, the same is true for us over the next two nights, that we are gathered together as Christian men, gathered together before the Word of God, gathered together inviting the Holy Spirit, and we're here as men. And that, is, in many ways in the church, is a rare gathering. It doesn't happen enough. But I want to say to you, before I say another word, expect the Lord to speak to you tonight and tomorrow night. Expect to be challenged. Expect to be stirred. Expect to be affirmed. Um, expect vision to arise in you about what could be done through your life, through the life of men in this church. Have an expectation that God's got some deposits He wants to make in every one of your lives. And we're all here from different places and in different states with different stories. God welcomes you all. The Spirit welcomes you here, brings us together, unites us together, and that's great. Okay, I don't belong in this group. I'm the outsider. I'm the guest. And uh, so we got to break the ice, and you have to interact with me. Bill said, good luck if you try this, Stephen. But uh, let's interact for a little bit just before I get into what I've planned. And uh, we're talking about what men long to be for the next two nights. So I want to hear from you. What do you like about men? Just start shouting it out. That we're men. That we're men. <laughs> stand to go to the bathroom. We can stand to go to the bathroom. We're definitely in a men's group. We just established that with that comment right there. What else do you like about men? Strong. Strong. What else? Poor communicators. Poor communicators. We're, we're gonna, that, that, that's a double-edged sword. What else? You can get ready for church in 10 minutes. What else do you like about men? Think about it. Sports. There you go. 
Super Bowl weekend coming up. What else do you like about guys? Strength and encouragement when we're together. I got to get out of the lights a minute so I can see your eyes. Say again? Dangerous thing. Adventuresome, right? Sometimes edgy. Okay, push the envelope. What else do you like about guys? Enjoying women. Enjoying, women. The, enjoying the opposite gender. Yep. The other gender. What do you like about men? Barbecue. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> okay. Nothing like grilling, a little barbecue. Okay, so guys are good problem solvers and going to another brother, good problem, um, there's camaraderie there, good. Fellowship. Fellowship. Being a dad. Being a dad. That's cool. Fixing things. Fixing things. It's good. Breaking things. Breaking things. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Speaking of which, I... I messed up my finger, so I'm not trying to bring a double message here tonight, but it kind of hangs out there a little bit. Humor. humor. There is a guy humor thing, isn't there? There is a humor that happens with guys. We've got young men in a the room. They're listening in about what you think is great about our gender. What would you pass on to them before we say anything else tonight? What would you want them to take away about men? Integrity. Steadfastness. Steadfastness. Leadership. Leadership. Wisdom. Wisdom. Logic. Logic. Mean what you say. Mean what you say. Follow through. Think before you talk. Think before you talk. That's a universal rule for us, isn't it? Sometimes. All right, let me flip it. And remember, as we talk about this side of the coin, too, that this is the other reality. What don't you like about men? Pride. Pride. Mm. Self-centered. Can be. Didn't hear it. Lust, yeah. Sometimes the passions of who we are, certainly in that area, can get out of control. Short-tempered. We can be short-tempered. Lack of humility. Say again. Disconnected. I want to just stop a minute there and underline that. Disconnected. So important that we're here tonight because there's some connection going on in the room. And that's kind of what I saw last night too. Guys are really hungry for that because they feel disconnected. We'll talk a little bit more about that. What else? Lack of compassion. Mm-hmm. What was that in the back of the room? Lack of mercy. It's good. So let's just pause there. There may be more, some more things that you want to say, but what I've wanted to do with this is just plow the ground a little bit, turn the soil over, and begin to um, step into this world that we call the world of manhood. And what is it that we want to be? What do we long to be? That's the title of tonight and tomorrow. It's part one, part two. It's a big topic. But 
In saying that, what we long to be, that assumes that there are some things that we're not into, (laughs) that we're on a journey and we haven't yet arrived, right? Because there's a longing, there's a lean. That's why I entitled that, that that way. There's some things that we really like, really affirm, and yet there's some other things that we go like, you know, I wish there was less of that. Okay, so let's just pause and pray right now. God, whatever now is before us, in addition to just the great worship we've had and sort of getting comfortable with one another, we pray that you would lead us as a group. We pray that you would reach out and speak into every man here. God, each one of them belongs to you, each one of them is loved by you, and each one of them is on a journey of following you. The Spirit resides in each one of us and resides in this group collectively, Lord. Help us to tune in to that voice tonight. May my words be a vehicle, and if not, Lord, have your own conversation with these guys. But we do pray that this time that we give to you would help to encourage us as a group of Christian men and each individual to move on in a healthy way as we journey with Jesus. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, well, Bill, I got through that. Oh, ye of little faith. <laughs> let, me, let me say some words for a while. And what I want to start with is that the world is in desperate need of better men. It's in desperate need. I'm going to just pause there a moment. Let the headlines over the last weeks and months roll through your, your heads, what you've seen in the workplace, what you've seen in your neighborhood. The world needs better men. And the Bible says that it's in need of men who are fair and men who are kind and men who are willing to demonstrate humble leadership. Now, these are my ideas. They come straight out of Micah 6.8. And if you look at that verse, Jim, you can fire it up. It says, He has shown you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? Listen up, boys. You're moving into this. But to act justly, that means be fair. And to love mercy, that means be kind and to walk humbly with your God. Now that represents the kind of men we long to be. But for so many guys, and maybe for some of you at certain parts in your life, and maybe tonight, there's a feeling that we've lost our way. I run into a lot of guys who are confused about what it means to be a man. I run into a lot of guys who are in the pit of depression. For any number of reasons. I run into a lot of guys who are self-destructing. And sometimes the people who self-destruct are some of the most surprising folks, the ones that you figured had it all together. There is a sense for men today in modern America that we have lost our compass and we're not sure how to do life as men. I think we're under attack. I think we have some insecurities. We're not sure what our roles are in certain contexts. 
We're not sure always how we're viewed by the opposite gender. We're not sure, and this is speaking to dads here, we're not always sure how to help boys grow into men, young men. And there are some real issues, some real obstacles that stand in our way. This just isn't coming out of our inner spirit always. There are some real things out there in the world that are pushing against us, like violence. It's no secret that men lead a more violent life than the other gender. We're more likely to be murdered. We're more likely to be the perpetrator or the victim of violent crimes. We're more likely to join gangs. We're more likely to get ourselves thrown in jail. And in fact, the only areas where women are more likely to be victims of violence than men, which would be domestic abuse or sexual assault, it's usually the men who are the perpetrators of that. And it starts young. It starts when we're just in single digits. Boys are likely to be beat up, more, more so than girls. We're more likely to encourage boys to fight than we are with our daughters. In a, in a way, violence is almost poured into our lives earlier than we can imagine. And it takes childhood away. And it often ends up for so many men in damaging both themselves and others. That's an issue. Depression is an issue for men today. Now listen up. Depression affects everybody. Some of that talk about pride. I didn't hear self-sufficiency tonight, but it's out there. Some of that gets in the way of dealing with this phenomenon that happens in just the human life. And the reason that men get stuck in handling mental health issues is that we ignore it. And we pretend that there's nothing wrong. And we pretend that we don't have to deal with it. We pretend that we can solve it by ourselves. There's the fix-it part. And when we don't deal with it, it comes out sideways, usually in a destructive way. You know, the biggest killer of our servicemen in Afghanistan is not bombs, not bullets, and not terrorism. You know what the biggest killer is? Suicide. And nobody's talking about it. Look it up on the web, on the, online. It's there, but nobody wants to talk about it. It's not making headlines, but it's an issue. And guys are going down. Education. Now, there's no intelligent difference between the genders. I hope you know that. Either side, you want to argue. There's no difference. But there is a growing gap in education. Women more and more are becoming the ones who are finishing college. But not everybody needs to go to college. I know that. You know that. But even in the trades, even in blue-collar jobs, men are dropping out of training programs left and right. Men are no longer getting married. Men are no longer going to church. And it's especially true with blue-collar guys. And it's happening at an alarming rate. And the message that seems to be now being spoken into the next generation is that girls are the learners and boys are the ones who play games, video games. What are we happy, what's happening there and who are we raising? Restlessness. 
Restlessness is a result of lack of balance in men's lives. Let me talk about that. Many of us know how to work and work hard and be persistent in work and be steadfast. Some of the words that came out of the conversation here. But some of us know how to play in that work. <laughs> some of us know how rest comes together in our lives. But you know there are very few men that can bring the three of them together. Know how to work, know how to play, know how to rest. And so guys are out of balance. Work becomes sour as a result. Play gets compulsive and goes in dangerous ways. And that goes to our appetites and our passions. And we get constantly fatigued because we don't know how to bring those three elements together very well. Loneliness. Men lack renewing life relationships. I know very few men who have friends outside of co-workers. Now, this group may have a higher percentage because we're in a church. But men in general do not initiate friendships with other men unless there's a purpose involved or unless there's a contract, both sometimes uh, or a mission or a contract involved. Think about it. Women will reach out pursue another individual that they want to have as a friend and nurture that relationship. Very few guys do that. When we have relationships, they're often limited to work and for what we can do for one another rather than just relating. And very few of us, as I said, have friends, real friends, just hangout friends. And if we do, there aren't very many. And then last, there's a sense of, for many men, um, no purpose in life. Listen to this quote from a pastor that I talked to just recently. He said this, I have a job that I like. I have a good marriage and a family. I have enough money, more than I actually thought I would have at this point in life. I just wish I was excited about something. That's quite a statement. A sense of purpose, something to give your life to, Something to be passionate about. Now, again, in this room, there may not be as many of us in this struggle as there is out there, but it's good for us to hear the general environment that we're living our lives because six out of the seven days, we're out into the real world. So what I want to say to you is that there are a lot of these issues that are pressing in on men. And so we deal with these issues in at least three different ways. The first way is some men choose to go down the boyhood boulevard. Okay, it's a little cheesy. But, you know, when you're sitting and writing this stuff, you got to do something to entertain yourself. Go down boyhood boulevard. Now, you remember the days of boyhood where you had just hangout time with your friends and you played games all day. You did whatever you wanted to do to make yourself happy. The responsibility load was a lot less. The reality of boyhood is that it is intended to be an on-ramp to young manhood, but there are a lot of men today who are still stuck in boyhood, still stuck in adolescence, still stuck in immaturity. And it's a life that's just continually cruising around and just, you know, hanging out and wasting time. There are a lot of guys that I, that I talked with last night in my group who confessed and said, you know, I'm spending way too much time playing video games, just, you know, frittering away my time. 
or watching sports endlessly. Some men choose the career court. And that is a place where they see that it's important to be involved in, in working in this life, but because God's not a part of their work, work becomes careerism. They begin to be caught up in building a career and succeeding in a career and, and gaining influence and reputation in a career, sometimes at the expense of everything else in their lives. Their jobs, their careers take over. And because they're performers by nature, and they thrive in that environment and love that environment, love the hunt, love the chase. They work long hours, take on additional responsibilities, but it comes at the expense of involvement in church. It comes at the expense of a good, healthy recreational life. It comes at the expense of knowing how your kids are doing at each developmental stage. It comes at the expense of just enjoying the moments of life. And then, and some of this came up in our conversation beforehand, some guys go down Appetite Avenue. Now, God made us with desires. God gave us passions, desires that are a part of his created purpose. These are all for our, our own health and for our own enjoyment in life. We have appetites for food, success, adventure. Some adventure came up. Challenge, love with the opposite gender, and many other things. But when we are coping with the pressures of life by not keeping those appetites in good boundary areas, things can go out of control. And that heads us straight to disaster. And so whatever road that men take, the boyhood route, hanging out there and refusing to move into the responsibility, becoming completely captured and almost enslaved in careerism or suddenly finding that there are appetites in our lives that are just overdeveloped, out of bounds, out of control. There's a call to recalculate. And I have a sense and a vision for men that says this, that Throughout the journey that we have in following Jesus, we are constantly in the, in the mode of recalculating, coming back on course, getting onto dead center with Jesus Christ, listening again to the voice of the Holy Spirit within our lives. How many of you have GPS? So this isn't so much today, but it, it certainly was true earlier on that when you had a course set on your GPS and you wavered from the course, what would happen? The polite little voice would come on and say what? recalculating, recalculating, get back on track, take the next turn, get back on the route you're doing. And I want to suggest to you that part of what it is to be a man is to constantly be listening and aware and sensitive to the voice of the Holy Spirit that calls you back to be on course with Jesus that says recalculating. You're beginning to wander. You're beginning to drift. Sometimes for good reasons. Sometimes for reasonable reasons, but drifting nonetheless. And so that whole idea of continuing to pursue the vision of being the men that God has called us to be and that we long to be always involves recalculating, resetting the course. 
And that's not something that we should be ashamed of. That's not something that we should hide away. That's actually something within this room that we could be a great ally for one another in helping to do that for one another. If we gave ourselves permission to not always have it together, if we gave ourselves permission to listen to each other's voice, to give ourselves permission for somebody to come alongside and lean into our ear and say, do you really want to be doing that? Instead of being so self-sufficient and on our own. So that we have the support of the brothers in this room and of the church to be a voice of the Holy Spirit as well as our own inner voice to come alongside and just sort of bump us back on the road to call us to recalculate. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that is normal and healthy to have as a part of our lives. So mark that down tonight and think about that. That we are constantly in the, mood, in the mode of readjusting our lives to get back on center with Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Does that make sense? That there's no big crime in, in beginning to drift. It's part of the deal. But when we are drifting and we're ignoring the warning signs, we know that that's going to eventually end up in the ditch. We're going to end up in the ditch. We're going to end up in sin. And even then, the ability to just sort of recalculate, re-get back on course, is part of this journey. Listen, listen to me. There's no one in this room that's doing life perfectly. We don't. And young men, I don't think it's healthy for you to think that you're going to grow up and do everything perfectly. We're going to stumble. You're going to make mistakes. The point is, is what have you put in place in your life to allow you to hear the voice of God to say, no, back here. Come back, recalculate, reset the course for yourself. Have you built in community? Are you listening in your own life for what God's doing every day, looking for that, listening to the voice of the Spirit? Okay. Let me jump to the next point. Here's the vision that God has for us. First of all, and this vision is built on a fundamental truth that you're loved by God. I'm going to talk more about that tomorrow night. How many of you know that you're loved by God? Okay, it's a little dangerous not to raise your hand at this point. <laughs> How many of you received that love? So we just moved from here to here. And if you're like me, you live up here. But it never really got here. And when I talked about taking a break from ministry midway through life, the central issue was that I'd never gotten it from here to here. And I was a pastor. I believed it. I believed it for all of you. I even believed it was true for me. But there is something really foundational and transformational when it moves from here to here. Now, I think this is an issue for us as men. I think we have no problem with the concept. We like to stay in the rational. We struggle sometimes when we talk about our heart, the condition of our heart. Sometimes we're not even aware of it. But we can't become the men that we long to be until we put the cornerstone and the foundation. And that cornerstone is that God loves you. Now, that's not original with me. But... It is with God. And I'm going to talk more about this tomorrow night, but 
Jesus knew before God did anything in this, on this planet, he knew that who his father was and what his father was doing. He was loving his son. And that's what spilled over into our lives as, as uh, part of his creation. Here's a question for you to think about for the next two nights. Have I really received, I mean, have I embraced, have I allowed that message to get into me that God loves me? And if it hasn't, you have got a great opportunity tonight and tomorrow night to ask somebody to pray for you to walk further on in that journey. <clears throat> By the way, Jim, I went off the reservation, so there's nothing there. I'm coming back now. But when we get that, we have the capacity then to start off where the Bible starts off, with what's this life in this journey all to be all about. And what we find in the opening chapter of Genesis is that when we look at what God's doing, we find God doing two things. He is creating and he's cultivating. Okay? Are you with me? That's what God's doing, opening chapter, and what he does to the whole Bible. He's creating all the time and he's cultivating all the time. It says this in Genesis 1.27. You with me, Jim? Yep. Good. So God created man in his own image, and the image of God, he created him. Now, what this says, first of all, is that God is in the business of creating and recreating all the time. Okay, I'm going to apply this in just a minute. But hang with me. And then he makes us in the image of himself. And what that means is that fundamentally, one of the things that we're always about, men, is in the business, is the business of creating out of the raw material of what God's given us in this life. So we talked about fixing things, and we talked about, uh, I don't think anybody said anything about inventing or making things tonight. But this is fundamental about what we do and what we're called to do in God's world. He made this environment for us, and he said, look, there's all kinds of untapped treasures in this world that I've made. Go after it. Take what I've given you and begin to create stuff that brings me glory and that helps other people. The second thing that God does is he cultivates. Um, let me just back up. Uh, for verse uh, 28 in uh, chapter 1. He says this as well. Be fruitful, multiply. I've already kind of uh, jumped on this concept. Fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds of the heaven and over every living thing that moves on the earth. What's God talking about there? What's he talking about? He's talking about managing it. He's talking about exercising authority over this world. And part of what we do in that is not only create, we cultivate as well. So these two ideas, creating stuff, cultivating stuff, are two fundamental tasks that we're always involved in doing. And this is what brings meaning and purpose and direction to our lives as followers of Christ. And this goes far beyond just your paid job. This goes on to how you are raising your family. This goes to what your involvement is in the church. This talks about how you are impacting your community. And yes, it has to do with how you do your job as well. Let me give you some illustrations. There is something that innately inspires us as men when we see a guy become an entrepreneurial kind of 
dude and create a new business from scratch and uses it to bless others. It inspires us. Do you agree? There's something innately present that inspires us when we see a new principal go into a school that's not functioning well and turn that whole organization around. There's something that innately inspires us when we see a musician teach a new worship song to a congregation. Can you see it? There's something that innately inspires us when we see a farmer turn over soil every spring and begin to prepare that ground for a new planting. There's something that innately inspires us, this is a toss over to my son here, when we watch a policeman preserve the order and protect a neighborhood that's in chaos. There's something for us as men that innately inspires us when we see a grandfather go down in the basement and make a piece, make a piece of furniture. There's something that innately inspires us when we see an older man take a younger guy under wing and mentor that life. There's something that innately inspires us when a father helps navigate a family through a tough season or a coach creates a winning culture with a team. When men step into the chaos and take responsibility, whether it's in the home or the neighborhood or the city or the workplace, and we create a situation that betters others, something special happens. Does that make sense to you? And it's inspiring when we see one another do that. God's image shines forth. We see his image reflected in our lives. And so men who reflect that image enable all the others who see their work and their efforts and their leadership to be inspired as well. And there is something good and noble and right when men come together and create and cultivate. And so what I'm saying tonight is that the men that we want to be are men who step into this world as mandated in the first chapter of Genesis and step into the chaos and step into the raw material of what God created for us and begin to create good work, good impact, good influence, and to cultivate environments where people can become better, where people can thrive, where people can embrace life to the full, as Jesus promised that we would. And when we renege on that assignment, guys, when we don't step up, when we don't get into that kind of activity founded on the security that God loves us and then releases that love through us through those activities of creating and loving, when that doesn't happen, what do you think follows in our world and in our lives? You tell me. Problems. Chaos. Because the mandate from Genesis 1 hasn't been embraced. Consider the disorder that happens, and we've seen it, in a home where a father simply abandons his responsibilities to his children. You know, statistically, kids who grew up in a father-absent home are more likely, more likely to die in infancy. It happens that young. To live in poverty, to end up in prison, use drugs, be abused, drop out of school, 
You've seen it. Being a man is not just having certain genitalia, guys, and pounding our chest. It's about having the courage to embrace God's mandate to stand on the foundation of his love and to move into his world in creative ways that cultivate people and bring glory to God. I had a church in Gehenna, and there was a guy who was in his 60s, no 70s, whose name was Dar Cunningham. He was a quiet guy. Dar would show up to church every weekend. He never missed it. And he was a man of few words. But Dar had this way of walking through the congregation and making contact with people. He just touched their elbow, touched their elbow, walked by. He didn't stop. He just... But you know what happened is people felt seen. They felt recognized in that every Sunday. And everybody loved Dar because he walked around and he made sure he made contact with everybody. Hardly said a word. As it turned out, Dar was also the guy who put a Bible in every jail cell in Gehanna's jail. And when somebody who was a prisoner there got mad and tore the Bible up, Dar would just walk in and put another Bible in there right out of his own pocket cultivating an environment in the church and in the community. There's another guy in my congregation named Ed Dunning. He was a PhD in chemistry from Purdue, and he was part of a pharmaceutical company. And then midway through his life, Ed decided to get his, go to law school, and he became an attorney. And he practiced law. And then when he retired... He moved out to near Utica, and he raised trees. And Ed used to show up every, every, uh, he was a smart guy. Um, Ed used to show up every Sunday uh, at my church with a flannel shirt, with his shirt tails hanging out, and his shoes untied. He didn't give a rip. And when I did his funeral, I untied my shoes and pulled my pants up so everybody in the place could see um, that my shoes were untied in honor, honor of, uh, of Ed. But let me tell you what Ed did. He taught, he taught a Bible study every week to guys in the church. And he regularly came alongside me as a young pastor and would lean into my ear and say, do you really want to do that? And he saved me from a lot of potholes in a lot of ditches. And when the heat got turned up in the congregation and I torqued somebody off, he more, more often than not stood in between me and that person and took the shots, stood with me and supported me and took the bullets. That was his gift to me. He was a real guy and with his own personality, but he was creating and cultivating in his own way. Let me ask you something tonight. What are you creating in your workplace? Will it make a contribution to the world other than simply providing a paycheck for you? Now, let me just say this. Getting a paycheck is a good thing. God's asked us to take care of ourselves. I'm not dissing that. But what are you creating? What are you cultivating? How are you reflecting God's love? You know where I'm going to go next. What are you creating in your home? 
What are you cultivating? What are you creating for those of you who are married and cultivating with your wife? What are you cultivating with your kids? Now, I got one of my kids here tonight, and I did not do things perfectly. There's a lot of things now at this stage of the game I look back and I go, I'd like to do that differently. But there was a true north that I tried to come back to in terms of God helping to point to Jesus. What are you doing? And for the young guys in this room and for the older guys in this room, what are you doing to help raise the next generation of disciples? What are you doing to help cultivate the young men in this church and in your family, in your extended family, and in your neighborhood? Who has God put in your sphere, your your relational network, that where you have an opportunity to reach out and touch a life and mentor a life and encourage a life, cultivate a life? How could you be creative in that person's life? What value are you adding to the community? What value are you adding to the church? What are you creating? What are you cultivating? As men, we are not called to live for ourselves. And I think we get that rap quite often from society. But we're called to live in faithful response to God's mandate to create and to cultivate. And guys, if we don't aim at that every day, it's pretty easy for us to slide into the close of passivity and mediocrity and insignificant. We need to reject that temptation. Okay. You know, Jesus is our model of manhood. If we're looking for what a man looks like, Jesus is our model. And that model tells us who Jesus is. Look at Romans 5, 17 through 19. It says there, Paul says there, For if because of one man's trespass, Adam, death reigned through that one man, much more, that much more is important, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus. In other words, focus here. As for the one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience, Jesus... Many will be made righteous. Every man in this room is making a choice every day. To walk in the shadow of either Adam or Jesus. You with me? Every day. We can only walk, we can only be an authentic man. We can only be a a grounded man. We can only be a man living in fullness of life on the foundation of God's love if we're walking in the shadow of Jesus. Adam was passive in the garden. Jesus rejects passivity. He says says this in, uh, Paul says this in Philippians 2. Jesus who, though he was in the form of God, did not count himself equality with God, a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing by taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. Now listen to this. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. And becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He got engaged. 
He just didn't hang out on the sidelines. He just didn't walk through life in a passive mode. He was assertive. He followed the mission. He engaged. And if you're not engaged, you're drifting automatically. Jesus also accepted responsibility. Adam failed in three areas. He didn't obey God. He didn't accept responsibility for the mandate and the work God had given him. And he failed to love Eve. He failed to love Eve enough to keep her from walking in sin. Jesus, on the other side, takes responsibility for the mission God has given him. He chooses to obey God. Listen to John 4. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. What's the work God's given you to do? Jesus accepts responsibility for the work God gave him to do. I, Jesus, it says in John 17, glorify you, God, on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me. And Jesus loved the church, his bride. Listen to Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives wives, as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus accepts responsibility. Jesus leads courageously. Adam failed in the garden to exercise courage. He caved, and he followed Eve's lead, even though he knew it was wrong. But, but Jesus is constantly providing direction for us, leading us courageously, and he calls us with the words, follow me, as we find in Matthew 4. And he says to us tonight, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He shows us where to find life. And he tells us, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, where the first Adam became a living being, the last Adam, Jesus, becomes a life-giving spirit. And then Jesus invests eternally. Adam invested in the temporary, in the moment, in the passion of the moment, in grabbing the apple and participating with Eve in the garden. And so often, we are struggling with the temptation to just choose what's easiest in the moment, to, to not work with our eyes on the goal, but simply to cave in to the temptations and the temporary benefits that come with money, sex, and power. But Jesus invests eternally. He lived it, he taught it, and he said, do not lay up for yourselves treasure, uh, treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay down your lives for yourselves, but lay up for yourselves, or rather, treasures in heaven where moth and rust destroy and where thieves don't break in and steal. You know, right now, your vehicle's rusting out in the parking lot. Termites are working into their home. There's a hole working through the knee on your jeans. Your body is not what it used to be, except for the young men in this group. That'll end in about another 10 years. Amen. Investing in the temporal, investing in the things of this world that are being destroyed and are decaying, 
is a choice we can make. But if we invest eternally, laying up treasures for ourselves in heaven, working to cultivate, creating, cultivate God's world as men so that they can see his kingdom and experience his love and see the benefits of all the blessings God intends for us to have as he did way back in the garden, that, that's an eternal investment. We're going to talk more tomorrow night about the kind of men that we long to be. But for night, tonight, that's enough. So here's what I'd like to do. I'd like to have you stand. And we're going to have an opportunity to pray. And I really felt like God said tonight this. I know the, I know the hour is getting late. My day starts at 5 a.m. But I really felt like God said, I want all men praying tonight. So I want you to look at me, all of your eyes. What I'm conveying to you is that God said, I would like you to ask every man in this room to engage in prayer tonight in some way, shape, or form. I'm going to tell you how I'm going to try to do that or invite you to do that. First of all, I think there are some of you who need some healing tonight, some prayers for healing. When we talk about the violence that's in this world, I think some of you have been victims of violence. I think some of you are still carrying scars and wounds that have come from violence from your father or an uncle or a grandfather or a brother. I think there's some violence that has happened in your home and that you carry those wounds or you have stuffed those wounds so far down that you're not even aware of that. And I would encourage you now to say, Lord, is that there? Is that, I know that that exists back there. Why don't I think about that? Why don't I feel that? Why don't I deal with that? In a moment, I'd like to invite those of you who are in that place to come forward and receive prayer. I think that there are some guys who are struggling with a dullness in your life. A lack, of, a lack of being excited about anything, and it might go as far as depression. And I would like to invite you to come forward in a minute and to say, Lord, would you touch that in me? Would you show me what's going on? Part of the depression exists because you're isolated. Part of the depression exists is because you deny it and refuse to look at that. This is risky stuff, I know that, but I want to invite you to come forward. I want to invite some guys forward as well who are struggling with balancing work, play, and rest. Your life is like this, and nobody's saying anything about it, probably because you're productive, but you're not healthy. I would like to invite you to come forward and ask the Lord to step into your life and to help you reorder yourself so that you are healthy, that there's good rest going on in your life, great recreation, as well as work. And finally, also a risky topic. topic. But in this room, there are guys who don't feel like they have a friend. You're here, and you may say, you know, I'm in a group, I'm at church, I'm regularly in a big crowd, but really when I come down to the, to the question of, is there anybody who's a friend for simply being in relationship with me. There's a lot of you who don't have that. 
And there's an opportunity tonight to just come and bring that before the Lord and say, would you help point out somebody in this group or some other place that I could bring alongside and have that relationship? Because that's God's intention for you. God intends every one of you to have someone who just says, you know, we're just buddies. We're just friends. We are in relationship merely for the point of relating together. So, anyone who steps out and walks forward, in a lot of ways you're identifying yourself in one of those areas, I get that. And that's hard to do in this group, and yet there's transformational power if you come forward and just put yourself before the Lord and say, Lord, would you do something with that for me tonight? Now, for the rest of you who sit in this room who don't come forward, you're not off the hook. We're going to be having a worship song um, and music playing while we pray for one another. But here's what I'd like to say to you. I'd like you to turn to another guy in the room and say, as I listen to all this tonight, and I took some time tonight, as I listen to all this tonight, where was the Holy Spirit putting his finger on my life in a way where he was challenging or calling me or inviting me to step into the activity of creativity in a bigger way? Is he calling you to be more creative in the workplace, your home, your neighborhood, your church? Or is he asking you to cultivate, to participate in cultivating, building an environment that's bringing life to people in a bigger way in your workplace, in your home, among your friends? And I say the friend piece, particularly for the young men in the room, in your school, in your community. I think there's an opportunity and an invitation for every guy in this room to take another step into that, fulfilling that call. Do you understand what I'm saying? Does it make sense? What we're going to do is we're going to just take a moment of silence. And then I'm going to invite those who want to come forward for prayer to come forward, and, and I'm going to need some people to help pray up front so you know who you are. But there's also going to be a group of you that hang out there. And your assignment is to turn to another brother or maybe two other brothers and go like, this is what the Lord invited me to do tonight in terms of being more creative in a certain area of your life. Or this is where the Lord called me to take another step in, in engaging in cultivating an environment where God's love is shared, where people have an opportunity to thrive. And by saying it to another guy, or two guys, and then asking for them to pray that you'll have the courage to lead in that direction, that you'll have the courage to invest in that eternal investment, that you'll not be passive and not just wait and forget about tomorrow, but will really engage. That's a big thing. As we follow our Lord and Savior and as we continue in our own journey of following Jesus, which is lifelong. And I want to say, as you think about all of that, just before I ask you to move, those who want to come forward and those who stay out there, God has so much more for us. So much more. Your life's not done. I don't know who's the oldest in the room, but the journey doesn't end until God takes you home. 
and the invitation and the opportunities to grow and to step more into what it means to reflect the image of God as a man in this world goes on for every day that God gives us on this earth. Every day. There's always more. There's always more for you in terms of fullness of life. There's always more that he wants to do through you into the world. Where is that invitation for you tonight? What is God doing and stirring in you? It could be something here in the church. It could be a new ministry that he wants to start up. It could be taking this church into the community. It could be just being a great worker and a great witness for Christ, not only with your words, but what you do with your work for the world. And there may be some things that you go like, you know what, i got to step it up at home. i got to step it up. It's not that you're a bad person. Put the whole good, bad thing away tonight. It's really not what it's about at all. It's what is God's invitation. So let's just take a moment of silence. Put your hands out before the Lord. We're now asking the Spirit to speak. We're asking the Spirit to step in. He's been here all night. And so just step into the silence. And let my voice fall to the back of the room. Lean into the presence of God. Listen to your heart. And from the depths of your soul, stretch out to God. As though you were a welcome of a friend that you've just seen down the road. Or across the room. The one who loves you. The one who brings good news. The one who says, here's the next adventure for your life. I've got such great plans for you. Lead each man, Lord, we pray. Stir up faith that they're seen by you Let every man feel your gaze, your loving gaze on them tonight. Give us the courage to follow you with whatever you're doing tonight. And then I want to ask whoever wants to come forward. He says, you know, I need to be, 
I need to deal with this place that I've been hurt through the violence of somebody else in my life or this place where I feel depressed for a failure that I've had in my life, for a dullness that just sits over me like a dark cloud in February. Or a depression about something that's out of control in my life, an appetite that just is out of bounds in any stretch of the way, uh, in any uh, expression of that appetite. Those of you who feel, I, I need prayer tonight to realign my life. More rest, more play, or better work, but balance. And anybody who's struggling with a loneliness issue, needing to come before the Lord and say, I need you to bring a friend in my life, a man who's a friend. I want you to come forward for prayer. Just move now. Let the eyes of the room just fall away. Just follow the Lord, leading of the Holy Spirit, and just come forward. Move the prompting. Trust the nudges of the Spirit. And here's how this is going to work. You're going to respond to this prayer request first, but before you leave, the guy you pray for now that you're going to pray for, he's going to pray for you. But do that first. Let's make sure everybody gets prayer. Before we engage any further, let's make sure everybody gets prayer. And then all of you who are out here, find another guy, find another two guys, do it right now. Pair up, triple up, find some guys. Don't stand alone. Engage with another guy and talk about what God's doing in your life tonight, where he's calling you to be creative, where he's cultivating you. And let's not anybody go away without prayer tonight. So just turn to one another saying, like, this is what I feel like God's inviting me to tonight. This is what I think God's doing. Would you pray for me so that I won't forget about it tonight? Okay, so you engage with that. Come Holy Spirit now, just move. Do your work. Enter into all these conversations. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd also add to the agenda that's going on right now, anything that you wish to do that you wanted to put into, into this prayer. And before we do that, we want to end this night together. Some of you might have to leave, but I would appreciate it if everybody stays together so that we can end together.